Hello and welcome to Columbus Local Podcast. This is episode number 53. Today we have, we have <laughs> Matt Mikkelski. We have Matt oh. Mikkelski. Oh. I love, I love that you're here, man. I love that I'm here too. And what a lovely, lovely environment you've created for these interviews and this podcast. It's really, it's really badass, dude. Oh, I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, digging it, man. Digging it. Well, you know, uh, Columbus is filled with personalities, Matt. I ain't that the truth. And you are certainly one of them. <laughs> <laughs> it's a nice way of saying you're a piece of work. But, you know, that's okay. I, I, I am indeed. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah, yeah. Matt Mikelski, just a bundle yeah. of talent. I'm oh. going to let you describe what you're doing currently. Well, um, in the last probably three to five years or so, um, you know, obviously there's been a lot going on in the world where we've shut down and we've, um, I've transitioned from primarily a sales um, oriented occupations and then some teaching um, and a lot of playing, a lot of guitar playing and, and playing in bands and whatnot. Uh, I've, I've switched more to working um, in the studio environment, doing voiceover work, as well as um, editing and um, and mixing, and doing quite a bit of post production, and uh, on my own voiceovers and on my own demos, because I have the skill set to be able to do that type of work. Um, I've been working with Pro Tools for probably. Gosh, 22 years, 23 years at this point. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, so I really lucked out. I, 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 worked at, I worked at Sweetwater back in the early 2000s as a sales engineer. I'm not sure if that's something you knew about me, but um, that was one of my jobs. Um, and it certainly was a different Sweetwater back then. But, um, you know, it's still the same Sweetwater in terms of, like, the, the, the training and the expertise and all the things that you have to learn before you can literally get on the sales floor. I mean, I, they, they trained me for three months you know, paid me, you know, digital audio, analog audio, and then MIDI. I had to learn all that stuff and then pass with a B average or above to get on the sales floor. Wow. Yeah. So I felt really great about um, being able to do that. It was like going back to school. It really was. Oh, so, yeah. Yeah. So I learned Pro Tools at that time and was like, oh, Pro Tools. That's kind of cool. That's industry standard. And it's translated to other DAWs, you know, other digital audio workstations and other programs, but I've kind of stuck with it. And, uh, you know, a lot of people bitch and complain about the subscription aspect. You can purchase a copy of it too. So anyway, that's neither here nor yeah, there. No, it's all good, man. That's yeah. good to know. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah so um, currently though, uh, musically, I know you're still involved, but what, what do you, what do you, what else are you uh, involved in? Well, uh, like I said, I'm doing I'm doing a lot of voiceover, and it's primarily work uh, as a freelance voiceover artist, working on a couple of the uh, freelance platforms. They call they call them freelance platforms, and then a couple pay to plays, and um, and then I also have some direct marketed clients. Um, should probably do a lot more of that because that's the future. Uh, just building those relationships, just like any other business. Yeah. Um, that said, um, I've been pretty fortunate and the people that I have contacted, um, I've gotten on a roster or I've gotten, you know, at least auditions and I've gotten a, f a fair amount of work doing that as well. I'm still not, you know, it's, it is a, it is a, it is still a part-time income for me, but every year it gets slightly bigger. Nice. And yeah. And that's, you know, that's, that's the goal. Um, I do a lot of audio work. Um, I'm do everything from 
you know, audio handwork where I'm helping set up a sound system for, you know, production companies and things like that, again, freelance, and then all the way up, like I said, to editing and post-production and things like that. And post-production involves like literally putting together commercials, you know, some sound design, mixing all the voices, making sure everything sounds correct, making sure there's, you know, everything's compressed correctly, you know, kind of soup to nuts from beginning to end, getting all the content, marrying it with the video not a video guy. <laughs> so, so, I mean, I, I love video and I work with video people all the time. However, that's not my, you know, ball of wax. And I'm an audio it's, guy. That's a lot more time consuming as oh, well. It is, is it not? It yeah. is indeed. And, and I'm really fortunate that I know some really great video guys, actually, um, Doug Carraway, who is the video producer at the Fisher school of business here at Ohio state. He was the drummer in nude. And I was in Nude for 17 years. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that band. That might be pre-Lenny and Matt knowing each other. <laughs> Back in the, the 90s, early 2000s, and mm -hmm. a little bit. I think I, I think I left that band in like 2011, 2010. It probably was right about the time we met, actually. So, um, and, and that's kind of what I wanted to talk about. Um, you know, when, when, when I was kind of planning to come over and see you, because a lot of the stuff you don't know about me from my kind of, I want to say previous life, your days. Yeah. No, you're <laughs> when I was right. younger. Right. So like, you know, I was, I, I, I played in a lot of original bands and that's really how I came to be as a musician. Um, back in the eighties when I went to Ohio state, um, I got, you know, I literally jumped head first into the, the hardcore, like punk rock scene. See, I don't know if you know that about me no, either. Not at all, man. Yeah. And, and what happened was I met a bunch of musicians who, were more like working musicians, but they dabbled. They all kind of like would come in and out of the different genres. Like, you know, they were, some of them were like as, you know, as, as schooled as like jazz guys and had master's degrees and taught at the college level. But these guys were hip enough where they could make noise with the rock and punk musicians and stuff. And they, and I always thought that was a really cool thing because they were just, you know, they were like, they adapted, you know, that made a big impression on me as a, as a musician and as a guitar player. And I, 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 uh, I befriended a couple of punk rock guys who were like really uh, Mike Rep, who is a local kind of I don't want to call him a legend, but he's a he's a he's a local punk rock guy. And Ron House from uh, Great Plains, you probably are familiar with Great Plains. They had some success back in the day. So I would like you know I'd kind of jam with Mike Rep, and um, he'd give me like a cassette, <laughs> you know, of like ten songs to learn. And you know I'd come back the next rehearsal and I had them all completely nailed and done and stuff. And he's looking at me like, dude, I, I, I don't know the fifth song, you know, and I wrote it and this is one. And I'm like, I'm like, okay, well, whatever. I learned really fast that like, I was kind of a, that really wasn't the world for me. Right. I, I did play in a couple of punk rock bands and I played in a really cool band called Frug for about three years. Uh, with, so Matt, you're, you're a guitar player, right? Yeah, at yeah, heart yeah. Here. So you're playing guitar in these punk bands. I right? am indeed. Yes. Yes. Okay. And I, I should, I, I actually, I did start when I was a kid. I, I took some lessons when I was like 12 and I, I really didn't do well with it. God, the guy that was my teacher was a monster jazz guy. I mean, a monster. It was at Williams music over in Worthington, right? Which is now the Kinko's right on High Street, it's there's a oh, Dairy yeah. Queen there on yeah. High Street. Anyway, oh, yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, this guy was a monster uh -huh. jazz player, like like Les Paul monster. Like he made his living, you know. And I just I could have cared less because I just I all I wanted to do is rock, right? <laughs> ACDC, Led Zeppelin, Kiss. You know, I was just like a, you know twelve years old. I just wanted, to, and I, I failed miserably. But I I had a bass guitar and I played in a band in sixth grade called Odyssey. <laughs> really, dude, we had zircon encrusted 
black t-shirts that said Odyssey. And we got them at Spencer Gifts, right? At the mall. Oh my gosh. Back in the day, yeah. right? Oh yeah. So, and we were the, you know, sixth grade, man. We were it. We were it. We were it. And, you know, that lasted, of course, through sixth grade. And then, of course, when we went to junior high, um, you know, everything. Junior, listen to me. I'm calling it junior high. Not freaking <laughs> middle school, right? But uh, anyway, uh, so that was the fir- kind of my first experience as a band. And, of course, we, you know, played a bunch of crap, like crappy, like, classic rock but it was great we, we enjoyed it oh, hardly oh. we hardly sang because you know who could sing we, and play at the same time right when you're 12 but anyway so a, a lot of the bigger brothers played so they had gear laying around drum drum kits old pv amps old marshals and stuff like that so we were just luck, lucky to you know to be around and and kind of check out their stuff and that was really fun um and to see them play too because we were always like oh man he's so good right you know he's like five years older and he's got five years more experience and he looks like a, a a grown man for crying out loud. So uh, we were always enamored with the bigger brothers and what they did. But um, yeah, and I didn't play through high school and stuff. I played a little bit and like, I went to DeSales over on the North side. I don't know if you. Oh yeah. I'm familiar with DeSales. Yeah. I mean, it's a kind of a, you know, kind of a, I don't know. There's, there's, I went to, I went to high school with like people like Jane Grody, who's the, you know, she's the daughter of the guy that owns Donato's and stuff like that. So, I I mean, that's the kind of people I went to high school with and stuff. And it was kind of like a shock to my system because I wasn't around a lot of people like that when I went, I just went to public schools and my father taught and coached in public schools. And I went to DeSales. I'm not sure what my 14 year old nepotistic brain was. (laughs) I I was like, I I was, it was anti-nepotism apparently because I could have probably played varsity baseball all four years and you know, maybe got a scholarship and stuff. Anyway, that would have been a different lifetime, right? Anyway, I know, right? But anyway, so like that's 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 kind of like you know, I grew up on the North End, and there's a lot of great God. There's so many great musicians from the North End, dude. Oh yeah, Dave Cawthron. Yeah, yeah, uh, he's, was, he's uh, lived three he's blocks a from of mine. me. Lived three blocks from me. No way. Yeah, Dave Mannering mm-hmm. from Armada. Mm-hmm. He lived on the other side uh, of the neighborhood. Tim Owings. Oh, t- Timmy. Tim. T- Timmy. He's still playing out. Timmy is was one of the and still is one of the f- purest funniest dudes on the planet, right? And then you know he grows up and he's like the lead singer in Shock too. And I'm like, really? And that's and that's the transition. Remember I was telling you about earlier? It's like I bought my first tube amp off Steve Mar off, off of Steve from from Shock too. Steve Steve Mitchell. Yeah, Steve Mitchell, who's now in the Gods, right? right? And right. you know, teacher at over at German Village Music, and he, he, you know, when I was at Sam Ash, he would come in and buy some gear for me and stuff, and I would always remind him of me buying this tube amp. So, okay, so Dan Spurgeon and I, who, one of my best friends, he's the, he, he, he plays in, God, what is the name of his band now? Um, it's not Big Back, not Big Back 40, anyway. This is terrible. I can't remember Danny's, Danny's band's name. Anyway, um, he and I went over to Steve's house in German Village. There were Marshall cabinets everywhere. We're in his basement. They had like red tape on the outside. Yeah, you know, he had like all red the, tape. Red tape, right? Yeah, Ricky Sogo was in the band at the time too. Mm-hmm. I think he was always in the band, but so Chuck and Bubba. So like he, you know, he and Ricky were the guitar players. And this was my first sh- culture shock moment for like you know peeling, peeling back the curtain of rock and roll or like theater or anything like this. And Steve's like, yeah, I got this amp. I bought it from you know I bought one of bought one of Chatfield's, you know, high watts that he had when uh, he got signed with the gods back in the 70s. And, and this is kind of fallen on, this is not fallen, this, I, I don't care. I'm like 19 years old. You I'm a, like I'm a punk rock guy. You want the amp. I don't know Steve from Adam at he, this point. I knew Todd Berry, the bass player, because I had a classics class with him at Ohio State. Yeah. And Todd tells me, hey, Steve's got this amp. 
he, he wants to get rid of it. You want it? I'm like, eh, I'll take a look at it. You know, whatever. Sure. I don't have an amp right now. So anyway, you know, this is falling on deaf ears. Danny and I are like into, you know, we're into like minor threat and like, you know, the circle jerks and the dead Kennedys and crap like that. Right. So, you know, like go, we went and saw shock too, and we were impressed cause they could all play really well, but we kind of made fun of them cause of their hair and shit. You know, it just wasn't our thing. I fucking love Steve Mitchell. Don't get. <laughs> what he, I fucking he, love that I guy. I had a brief moment with him, dude. He, you know, and I just loved every minute. A gentleman of it. through and through, fantastic Good. player, just a great dude, man. And and yeah. I've had very cool conversations when I was at Ash. I mean, we haven't really you know socialized outside of there very much, but it, every time I see him, I'm like, dude, it's great to see you, man. Oh, but dude, went over, and <laughs> the, all the cabinets were completely empty. They were complete. They were all dummy cabinets. Every single for month. show or for for, for show, and they well, they stuck these things in a U-Haul every time they played at the Al Rosa, and they would backline. They yeah. backline everything. They look so damn cool, oh, right? Yeah. And Danny and I were just completely shocked. You know, we were just like, "Oh my god, that this or, is crazy. This is magic." So what do they what do they play through? They 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 actually had one cabinet. Okay. That was spe- that Plugged had speakers in. in it. Right, right, yeah. right. And, and I'm sorry, I'm, I'm completely. You know, I'm com- I, I'm sorry. The cover of these. You know, cats. ladies and gentlemen. Uh, <laughs> This happens, and uh, you know, metal bands. You know, of course, of course, th- this is back when those guys probably had to carry everything too. It's not like they had a bunch of roadies, right? But um, yeah, sure. Like, I, although I know Angus plays through like you know ten full Marshall stacks. He's not even in the mains ever because he, he's deaf. You know, I mean, you know. Anyway, so that's my Steve Mitchell story. It was wonderful. The so amp- did you buy that amp then? Fuck yeah, dude! It was a. 50, it was a classic 50, 1974 classic 50 with the Partridge Transformers, EL34s. Still to this day, probably top three best amps I ever owned. And then I, I, I sold it to Mark Chatfield for a Meza Boogie power amp at Cowtown Guitars in like 93. Jeez, dude. When the rack mount shit was happening. Yeah. Used some rack mount preamp and some stereo meza boogie thing and i remember mark was like banging on the front going yeah these are these 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 are these preamp tubes are kind of microphonic you know being the sales guy i I don't know if you ever buy anything from mark back in the day i didn't i wasn't i didn't i haven't been playing that long okay okay so mark was at columbus music forever and ever and ever and was you know super intimidating i mean he looked like he was in you know he would look like he was in white snake, you know, every time you went in perfectly quaffed hair, like he had a schedule. You could just tell he was like busy all the time. Right. Anyway. So, you know, I'm in there talking to him and I'm like showing him this and he's like going, Oh, it's one of my old ones, you know, and he, he kind of, cor- he kind of confirmed what I, what Steve had told me. And, uh, anyway, so that's, I, I ended up selling that thing. I was like, Jesus, oh, that thing's man. probably worth, I don't know, four, three, 4,000. Sure. And it was, you know, it was like what Pete Townsend used back in the day. And, um, you know, David Gilmore and wow. The, I mean, that amp was, and it was clean as a whistle, you know, to a point, and then it could get really grindy. Uh, they're a little harder clipping than a, a Marshall. Um, they don't have as much like give and sag as like a, a Vox or a Marshall, but boy, a great sounding amp and, he, and a great pedal platform. Really and, great. And platform. one that you remember, obviously, oh, with a great history. Dude, I know, right? I know that thing had some mojo. It definitely had some mojo. Wow. So, I know. It was kind of fun, right? So, uh, so you're, it, you're, you're playing punk through that thing. Yeah, I'm playing punk. And then, I, I mean, like I said, I... What, do you, what, what kind of guitar? Do you have I a hollow body I, going? No, no. I, I, had, I had like an old Gibson Marauder for a while that I had purchased and then very quickly realized that that just wasn't enough. And I ended up buying, I ended up buying like a 70s, late 70s, early 80s, like Les Paul, but it had the Artie Artist electronics in it. It weighed 4 million pounds. 
um, and it had a compressor and it had a bass and treble control. And it was very versatile. I mean, it could rip your head off with treble, but it also, you could set it up real flat and it sounded like a Les Paul. So I, I had that for a while. And then I bought my first Strat probably a couple years after that. And I pretty much have stayed with kind of the Fender thing since. I've owned three or four Les Pauls since and a couple of Gibsons. I'm more of a Fender scale guy because I'm just a big guy. You know, I've got big hands. I like the longer scale length. Yeah. I think it stays in tune a little bit better. This is just my ear talking and, and, and just my experience. I like light guitars too. So a lot of times Fenders are a little bit lighter than Gibsons. Um, I've owned a few hollow bodies that I've kind of won from like sales spiffs and stuff like that. I've never like gone out of my way to purchase a hollow body or anything like that. But, um, you know, I have, I have a couple tellies right now. I've got a strat, I've got a jazz master, a kind of a parts jazz master that I just put together. And then I've got this other, uh, you know, really cheap jazz mastery thing. And that's my main guitar with the bastards. That's the main guitar. That's the guitar I play. So this, so the band you're referencing now yeah. is, is, um, the the uh, the bastard sons of Neptune, right? Which is which is fabulous, fabulous band, dude. Uh, well, thank you, thank you, and, and, and that's still active, right? It is still active. Uh, I mean, I have not booked us um, much because I was booking us at Dick's Den probably like two or three times a year. Uh, Tim and Aaron over there, since they bought it, have been gracious enough to let us, you know play on Saturday nights and, you know, we pack that place and it's really, it's a fun, you know, it's barn a fun show, burner. but it's a yeah, fun show. It's dude. a fun show, but that's just a small, that room's just too small for the bastards. And, and, and I, I mean, I had an episode where I literally, my ears just kind of gave out for like 30 seconds. And I was like, I can't hear, um, I mix for a living and I just don't want to do this anymore. Right. Yeah. 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 So I was just, yeah. And, and, and again, I, you know, you know, I'm guilty of playing loud, just like every guitar player. But to a certain extent, I was just like, you know, I couldn't even hear the drums. And I was like, drummer's standing right behind me, or not standing, but sitting. And I was like, okay, I need to kind of reconsider what's going on here, you know. And so I play, I play, I play primarily electric guitar. I still play, I play acoustic every once in a while, but I primarily play electric guitar, but I play so quiet anymore. And I have this little studio, right? Really nice microphones and, you know, I've got nice amps and, um, I've got some modeling gear too. If I get an idea at three in the morning or something like that, and I can just plug in and, and go. And then, and I, I do actually have an interface where I can reamp out of it. And the reamping process is you, you just record like a naked guitar, something that's unprocessed, and then you can take it right out of the interface and plug it into an amp. It's that's pretty, pretty fancy. It's very, it's, it's that's very, fancy, dude. <laughs> that's like, that's cool. It's it's a cool studio trick, and it's something that, you know, I do that actually with drums, too. Like, where I'll take a drum, and I'll run it into an amp and put through pedals. And that's like I, like a really small, shitty-sounding, like, um, practice amps actually sound amazing. Because you mix it with the original. You know, again, you can do so much in a, in, in a, you know, in a program or in a mixer to, like, really, you know, you can take that kind of cool part of it, Right. And you can just kind of add it, you know, to your, 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 your groove, your drum groove or whatever thing you're working on. It's, it's really, you know, I love being in the studio and I honestly, you know, kind of regret not going there f sooner and just being, and you know, again, you know, mom and dad in the back of your head, get a job, get health insurance, you know, be practical, 
you know, buy your groceries. Yes, yes, exactly. If you want to be with a woman at some point or somebody, you know, and you want to have you a long-term relationship, something. Yes, and God forbid if you have children. Oh my goodness! And then you'll have to, you know. Anyway, I love children. Don't get me wrong. Yes, I was just never blessed with children. But um, uh, other than my songs, you know, I kind of think of my notes and songs as my children, and um, I, I do dote over my nieces and nephews. I love them dearly. They're great. Um, and I did coach some little league back in the day. So oh, that's awesome. That's <laughs> I, awesome. I still man. love baseball. I still, I, I love baseball, but, um, anyway, so yeah, so the bastards are still a thing. We don't play very often. We played last year at the Tiki Fest and that was really fun. And, you know, honestly, it's, it's so funny because both Greg and I got to blast through basements. I have a 67 basement head and a 212 cabinet. He's got a 59 reissue. Yeah. We were Frank Harrison loud. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but you know what? Well, it was and you have Billy Spitfire on I know. base, right? I know like on the one of the coolest cats ever. Oh my God, is Billy? Billy is. I mean, honestly, he really just he like he adds a level of cool to anything he does. On yeah. I, I love that man dearly. He he's become a good friend, and uh, God bless him. I, I I and hey, they just we just got that tube head back. He had a head stolen. And as of this podcast, it was returned. I know, right? I know. And I think his other gear is still out there. So if you're listening right now and you see the pictures on Facebook, help Billy get the rest of his gear back because some assholes stole his stuff. And I don't know. Oh, man. I know, right? Anyway, so um, the Bastards will ride again. Um, I know Greg has been playing with the Digs lately, um, Bart and the boys. Um, that's a really good band right now. Agreed. Man. Agreed. <laughs> Might be the best lineup they've ever had. Um, you know, Greg Sharp is a monster force to be reckoned with when it comes to guitar playing. I'm, I'm in awe of his prowess when it comes to the rockabilly and, you know, just, just rock and roll, man. And Bart, Jen Bart Jenkins. Bart Jenkins might be the most rock and roll dude in this town. I mean, he's up there, right? I don't know. I mean, he's he's a little mild mannered for that, but he's, uh, he's mild mannered. But again, the the oozing coolness of that cat. I know, right? I know. Is, I know is overwhelming. It, it, he's it really is actually. I mean, I, I've been I've especially been, when he's on stage. Oh, God. That, that's what I mean. Like, I mean, yeah. he jumps up on the, the the upright, and you're like. Yeah, that's fucking pretty cool, man. Like, come on, cool, come on, come on. Like, it's undeniable, right? This is like, okay, talent. Here he's, it is. Here's, he's he's yeah. talented, and yeah. he's and he's got the show, the showmanship yes. that, yes. that kind of and a big know, smile, right, right with it. Big cute little smile on his face, and just a big goofy thing. Yeah, I, I love Bart. He's great. But um, yeah, so the bastards are right again, and and like I said, I'm. Um, you know, we just need to play bigger places. <laughs> we just need to play places where we can unwind the big amps and, and really, because it's a, it's a big sounding band too. I mean, Dick Day on drums. Uh, Dick's probably, probably the most um, consistent of our drummers. I mean, we had, boy, Chad Cathcart um, was, is a tour de force, um, a, you know, master's degree from Indiana University you know, and could just play like Gene Krupa, like you wouldn't believe, like, you know, he out Krupa Krupa and Dick Day definitely is in that vein as well. But Dick is so consistent. He's been playing with Jesse's band, the um, Everly Brothers, the, what are they called? The Lightning Express. Is that what they're called? Not sure. Yeah. I can't, I feel, Not sure. it's terrible. I can't remember. I have a CRS disease. Well, I can't remember. It happens shit. to all of us. <laughs> 30 <laughs> male. Yeah, it's Ex coming. Exactly, exactly. So, yeah, so... Then you double that and... Well, well it's over. It's yeah. over. Yeah, you might as well just have notes 
like, you know, little things pinned to the inside of your sleeve. Um, anyway, so uh, as far as... <laughs> As far as like, you know, like I said, current stuff, that's, I've been working on tons of music. Um, I play every day. I've been writing a little bit of jingle stuff uh, for some of my voiceover clients for them to play behind, um, you know, uh, voice on hold type stuff, that kind of thing. That's easy peasy. It's real easy for me to just knock that kind of stuff out and do it. Um, if anybody needs that kind of thing, please, you know, contact me. Um, I am down with all of that and uh, voiceover, obviously, and then editing as well, audiobooks, podcasts, anything long form that you don't want to do, I can do it for you and I can do it for you reasonably and rather quickly. So um, yeah, just hit me up. Um, I also can clean up audio. So I've got a full suite. I don't have the full RX suite, but I have the standard and it does probably the job on 95% of noises and whatnot. That's a, that's a thing. Like, you know, not restoration so much. Like a, it'd be real hard for me. Fil filtering though, right? Yeah. Like just taking the noise, like, you know, taking the noise, like taking the room out of the room. Um, you know, if there's some sort of weird, like intermittent, you know, signal or frequency that's happening all throughout, I can just pop, I can just pop in there and just grab it, get rid of it. Um, and then, you know, most of it's the software though. The algorithms are so good now. Sorry about that. I just cracked my hands. That's Good all, Lord. Yeah. Hey, you're on the microphone, Mikelski. What are you doing? Uh, <laughs> you do whatever you need to do. It man. sounds like it's between takes. I'm like, if I fuck up a take and voiceover, right? That's what I do. I'm like, uh, oh, okay. And then you, you restart. That's what I do. That's what I do. I click my hands. I know, right? For That's your mark. Exactly. Nice. Exactly. Some people have a click. They make clickers, too. They make these like little clickers. I'm like going, you have a built-in clicker. I. Right, you know right. what, man? Yeah. I, I, like, I like not editing yeah i like it letting it fly as it as it rolls if you can get it in one take or if you can get some nice natural you know vibe yeah. that way yeah. it's wonderful it's wonderful but when you're doing like i've done a little bit of medical um and those words are so long and so hard to pronounce honestly there's a ton of times and and you know and then also some like sometimes i do some engineering type stuff too that's got a you know pretty heavy science base and there's a lot of like you know there's there's some five dollar words in there and i charge extra for that you know but i it, it, especially if should. i'm charging extra I, I better get it right yeah. so yeah, um i do the punch and roll where i just a lot of times i'll just go and i'll like just go over it again i literally just race the mistake and i'll just start again because Pro Tools allows you to do that. I'm like I said, I, I've been doing that for a long time. So I'm not certified or anything. Like there's guys that are Pro Tools certified. They can do everything in Pro Tools. I can probably do fifteen to twenty percent of what I need it to do for both voiceover and music and post and stuff like that. And it's about the same. But you know, there's some things that I always have to like I'm I'm in the manual. You know, I'm looking I'm looking up, oh, how do I do that, right? Uh, and that's okay. That's, oh, yeah. I like that. Keeps the synapses firing, keeps me, you know, keeps me learning. Keeps the CRS in check. <laughs> <laughs> yes yes ho hopefully hopefully right hopefully um i don't know i mean i, I guess i guess i could i guess I, I was i was also going to talk to you a little bit about um i uh i i was in a band in the 90s that i'm really quite proud of actually um with uh, mastering engineer brian lucy i'm not sure if you know who brian I, is i don't so brian brian um he was pretty polarizing um, and somebody like we didn't have a ton of like local success uh, in terms of like, you know, following. We had a few kind of a cultish kind of thing. It was an art rock band. OK, it was an art rock band. Um, and it was it was a band that, that Brian and I and a guy named Bill Husted, uh, Jim Casto. Remember, you know, Jimmy. 
I, I know that name. Yeah, Jimmy. Jimmy has Jimmy has been a fixture in the Columbus music scene for a long, long time. Um, I love him dearly. Um, he's you know he's very mercurial and and somebody who, you know, he's definitely a, an opinionated guy and somebody who's you know he's he's definitely somebody that you know he's somebody I looked up to, and definitely was somebody that that will definitely tell you exactly the way he feels about something, you know, which I really, I always appreciated that about Jimmy. And he's a monster player. He's a monster player as good as anybody. He's one of the, I was telling you about that, those guys that could kind of weave in and out of the different scenes, like like the wind. He's doing that. Andy Harrison's another guy like that. Oh yeah, that's a name. Yeah. Um, Ben Pridgen was the bass player uh, in the squids back in the day. Paul Brown, cats like that. So Jimmy was the drummer in the Trillionaires, Ronald Cole in the Trillionaires. Okay, so that there, there we go. So that there's your touchstone for like late seventies, early eighties. Nice. And Jim, yeah, you know, we started that band with Jim, you know, like I said, Bill, Jimmy, Brian, and myself, and then Matt Gramley. We had two drummers. We had two drummers for the first two records, anyway. So we had uh, Matt Gramley, who's now he's a lawyer out in San Francisco, great guy. But he he knew probably within three or four months that this this was not his you know his ball of wax. He played in Big Back Forty. He played in Danny's band that I can't freaking remember forever. He's a great dude, but he he realized. And then Doug Carraway, who's the video producer at Ohio State that I was just mentioning, he's the other drummer in Nude. And then Jimmy left after the second record, um, and Doug was the sole drummer, and it was for the a four piece. And then Bill left, and then it was Sean Bowers from Guitar Repair Company. Really? Yeah. You know, and you know, Sean, that he worked with Phil at the fret shop forever sure. and ever and ever. So Sean Bowers, who we were good friends with, he was in a band called Flat Earth back in the day. Yeah. See, this is, I wow. knew, I knew this was going to be fun because this, I'm telling you things you don't know about the Columbus music scene. Well, this is, and that you had some interaction with. Yeah. Or... I mean, those guys were all, that's, that's Tony McClung on drums from Ooh. Pop Gun, who, you know, I honestly... You know, and Tony was a very different person back then, um, good and bad. But uh, Chris Howes. I'm sure he appreciates that. Well, I love Tony. I love Tony. And I, I, if he was here, I'd tell him that. I'd tell him that. I mean, we, you know, there's, yeah, dude. Dude. And, you know. Um, Are they still doing the Rumba Cafe or the, the Rumba? Um, oh, uh, Hoodoo. With Hoodoo. I'm pretty sure they are. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I it's probably been over a decade since I've seen those guys play. Wow. I've seen Pop Gun half a dozen times in the last like seven what or eight a, years. What a alpha oh, yeah. that is, I mean, man. Dude, just Kayampa. Killer. Kayampa on, oh, on bass. Yeah. And just, about it. you know, I mean, Kayampa, dude, he, he mixed Wayne Shorter records. It, that's all you got to say, right? I mean, yeah, Jeff is one of my favorite humans ever. Um, anyway, so, so that band was called Flat Earth with Tony and Sean on bass. Chris Howes on violin, the greatest jazz violinist in the world. Um, yeah, anyway. And um, Aaron Scott on guitar, who is a West Virginia native and probably Sean's best friend when he was growing up. So Aaron is a wonderful, wonderful guitar player and a really great dude. Um, he's He lives down in God, somewhere in West Virginia. I, I don't know. It's like that little corridor just, uh, just kind of west of Charleston, um, Beckley in that kind of, is, is it Beckley shit? You know what? I don't know. Somewhere down there. Somewhere in West Virginia. In that general area. Yeah. And he, he, what he, he got, went to culinary school and, and now he's, I think he's teaching a little bit and he's got, he had some cover band and stuff. He's a great player. He can, mm. another guy who can play Steely Dan and then 
you know, play punk rock, play Primus tunes, you know, Hendrix, and then, you know, jazz. And then, like, he's floating. He's all over the place. Love those guys. Those are my guys. Yeah, musicians. Musicians, right. Yeah. I mean, I got to say my top three guitar players, probably my favorite guy. I don't know if you're hip to him. Bill Frizzell, jazz guy. I don't. I, I'm not familiar. Okay, we. You, I mean, I don't know everybody, dude. Of course, at all. Man, <laughs> but uh, I appreciate. Dude, 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 I appreciate dude. the education. It's awesome. Well, I'm just. I'm just throwing it You're out. You're sharing. Yeah. Yeah. It's this, awesome. is, this, this is. This is the great stories, man. Well, thank you, thank you. I, I I love Bill, and the first time I heard him, he was more in like a almost like a fusion rock jazz context, wow. playing with lots of fuzz and distortion and weird sounds, and I was like, okay. This is pretty badass. It was that kind of downtown New York stuff that was kind of hip in the late late 80s, early 90s. Kind of trickled. There was a downtown New York scene, uh, part of that whole thing. Um, you know, a uh, bunch, of, bunch of crazy musicians would get together and just make lots and lots of racket. And again, a lot of different people came in and out of that scene. The Living Color guys all came out of that scene. Yeah. You know, but again, we know what turned it. Those got one of my favorite bands of all time. Me too, actually. Oh I love that band. God, the first time I and saw they're them. They're still playing. I know, right? I know. I could. Wow. I love uh, Corey's voice. Is still great. It's still great. It's still great. Anyway, so like, uh, you know, Bill Frizzell, Jeff Beck, mm. yeah, Jimi Hendrix. Mm. That's probably it. And then I, I've I've added some country players only because I've had to play a lot of country. I was mentioning that previously when we were talking in the other room. I was like, you know, like I listen to Brent Mason, and I'm like, that guy can do everything. He can literally do everything. He can comp a jazz tune. He can play. He can chicken pick with the best of them. He can rock hard. He's not, he's not a poser at any of it. He owns all of it. He owns the whole laundry list because, and he, at this point, he might be the most recorded guitar player of all time. Somebody like Tom Bukovac, somebody like that might have eclipsed him at this point. And I love Tom. I love Buk. But he's like, you know, he's, he's a rock guy. Ohio guy too, Cleveland guy. I don't know if you knew that. Mm-mm. You ever watch his podcast? No, but I think I will now. Homeschooling. Really? <laughs> he really? started it during COVID. Yeah, he started it during COVID and he's got like these little 20, 30 minute videos and he just does them on his iPhone. I mean, oh again, gosh. no editing, just boom him. It's great. It's great. Anyway. Check it out. Yeah, yeah. But um, so anyway, so uh, there's some of my favorite players. I just kind of wanted to, you know, and, and I want also, I just wanted to thank a couple people too, before I forget. Um, I want to thank Dan Dugan. Um, Dan and I have gone round and round personally. Um, he's not somebody that's, uh, that he's somebody that kind of pisses me off every once in a while and, and it's okay. It's okay. Like I, 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 I love, that uh, I you, love, I, I know, right. I'm such a sweetheart. You um, are. I am a sweetheart, but I'm also very blunt and I'm, I'm, I'm a, I can be, I can, you know, if, if you piss, if you piss me off. You're a direct person. Okay, thank direct. you. Direct. Thank you. That's thank you. that's not a judgmental term at all. I don't it's think, just, I actually take that as a compliment. It's it's direct. I appreciate directness, and I want directness in my relationships, right especially with my close friends and family, because I want to know. I want the truth. I don't want you to candy coat it. If you don't like me, that's fine. But yeah. tell me. If you love me, tell me. You know, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> but I want to thank Dan Dugan because Dan Dugan owned Stashes. He owned Little Brothers here in town. And I got to see a bunch of really, really great music. I worked at Stashes for a couple of years as the door guy. Um, and I just, you know, everything from John Hyatt um, to, um, God, Gatemouth Brown. Damn. I know, right? Um, I saw Buddy Guy oh, take a hundred foot guitar cable and go play out in the street. He danced on the bar. Um, 
you know, I saw, I saw beautiful, I saw singer songwriters there, dude. I saw the butthole surfers there, right? <laughs> I saw, um, the Sonic Youth there, you know, I saw the replacements there. At least, dude, those guys toured and came to Columbus at least four or five times a year. And did they always hit stashes? Well, they did until they got big enough, right? Okay. I mean, the first time I saw them, they opened for X, the Los Angeles band X at the Newport, Damn. right? Yeah. And I love X. God, that's a great band. I was one of my favorite bands in high school, believe it or not. Like, I was really, that was like, that got me in, that was the band that got me into like the LA punk rock thing. But again, um, Billy Zoom is like one of the greatest like rockabilly guitar players in the world. That guy can play, and he can play saxophone. You ever heard him play saxophone? No. He's incredible. <laughs> He's incredible. Anyway, so like replacements open for X, and I was like, who are these guys? These guys are interesting, right? And, and Paul Westerberg, He's a great American songwriter, period, end of story. I put him up there with like people like Springsteen and Bob Dylan. I mean, he's that good, right? You know, he's not as highly touted, and he's an indie guy and all that kind of stuff. But anyway, so Dan Dugan gets lots and lots and lots of cred, and he deserves it. He brought a lot of those bands in. He took chances. Kurt Schieber, who had the um, Invisible Hits uh, show on CD 101 and then 92, 92.9, you know, up until a couple weeks ago, right? right? They just went out. Yeah. And Kurt would bring, you know, he brought a lot of those bands in. He brought those SST bands, Husker Du, The Minutemen. The, the minute, are you hip to The Minutemen? Do you, I, like, do you like funk? I love funk. Okay. We're, we're, I'm going to play some Minutemen after this. Okay, I can't wait. For, for, yeah, dude. We'll put it on the big stereo. That, that, yes, yes, absolutely. We're definitely, <laughs> the first time you hear The Minutemen. the sub men, going. Yes, yes. We got it. Mike Watt and George Hurley, the rhythm section. Anyway, they're so good. Anyway, so, I mean, he brought these bands to Columbus and Kurt took, you know, it was a risk. It was a risk. You know, he put his own money up a lot of times. He'd have to deal with, you know, you know, unscrupulous characters, managers, whatnot. He took, you know, he took a lot of risks and uh, God bless him for bringing a lot of that music and it influenced me greatly. Um, I don't know if I've ever thought, thanked him for that in my youth. You know, I was... I was definitely, you know, I definitely probably, you know, kind of like took it for granted. But man, anymore with the music scene being the way it is and, and the lack of venues for a lot of original bands, you know, and, anymore. You know what I mean? They're larger than some can afford to get into, you know? Yeah. Like, like it's, you know, King of Clubs is, is really killing it. You have uh, Leon's Garage out in Marysville. Yeah. And yeah. then um, original music is also um, a rumba, I think, can, can accommodate. They do that. Ace of Cups music. is still Ace doing. Ace of Cups, too. Still yeah. doing Ace of Cups. And then um, um, what's the old, the new Old Fields, Space Bar. Is yeah. that space bar? Yeah. That's a decent room. It's just concrete y and it's kind of yeah, it's 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 a little it's a little rough, um, like for live. Uh but um it, and that's just me being a picky sound guy, but you know, you get enough people in there and it sounds okay. Yeah. Um but there's just not, you know, and there's there's a lot of really interesting noise stuff going on recently. Um I I, I, I pay attention to that stuff. I and dabble and like think about it and um there's a band called Dana here in town who I love. Oh my God, I love these guys. Really? They have the energy of like a Tasmanian devil. Madeline is the lead singer for Dana, and she is a whirling dervish. She, she affects her voice with effects, and then she plays theremin. And her, her boyfriend, Chris, is one of the most interesting, like, noise guitar players I've ever heard. And then they have this crack rhythm section. These guys can all play, they can all play. 
They're all like, but it's their music is unique. It, oh, unique. so unique. Yeah, I mean, there's a band. Next in, time you go see them, uh, yeah, text me or something. I will man. text you. I, they, they, we'll hit that. Yeah, it's it's very interesting, Len. It's a, it's a really it's a it was there's a band from Dayton that people compare them to. Um, the lead singer uh, passed away back in the like late nineties or something like that, but he was real noisy and he would affect his voice and stuff and people compare them. But I think they're a little different. They got more, she's from Detroit originally. Um, so, or, or the, that area, I don't know if she's from Detroit proper. Cause you know how big that whole thing is. Oh, anyway, yeah. that, Detroit. Did, thing? Detroit. Well, dude, I grew up in Detroit, dude. What? Yeah, I did. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Eight mile road right off of eight mile road. People dude. laugh when I say that, Yeah, but it was in the sixties. And it was a yeah. rough time to be living in Detroit. Yeah. Me, I saw some things that you probably shouldn't see. I we can talk about that another yeah, time. Yeah, man. I didn't know that, my friend. Yeah. Okay, so so she's from the greater metropolitan Detroit area. Really? <laughs> I'm not sure. Where they were making cars. Yes, yes. Apparently it's <laughs> some place where there's been a lot of cars designed and, and built in the last 50, 60 years. Anyway, um, but she has this mentality. She's an old soul. She's... She's little, but she's mighty. I mean, like, wow. Like, she, the first time I saw them perform, I was like, oh. She's a gift. Oh, such a gift. And just a wonderful human, a very quick wit, very quick mind, um, absolutely elegant and lovely, um, beautiful um, on so many levels, and just a wonderful human and caring. Anyway, Great person, love yeah. her, love her to death. Um, great band, uh, go see them. They're noisy. Uh, they are not, you know, they are not Chuck and Bubba Deluxe, uh, which is, you know, that's good. That's good. I don't. I like bands that sound different. I want, I want difference. I don't want samey. You know right. what I mean? I get it. And I know it's not fair comparison because they're a cover band, but you know, and I love Sadir. I love absolutely adore him. He's coming soon. Dude. I can't wait to talk yeah, with him. I love him. Yeah. He's great. He's got he a great is. voice. I don't know him. Uh, I know I've known Ricky since the Shock Two days, and oh, I don't. Man. Again, I don't really legends. know. Legends. They're yeah. both legends. Yeah, they really are. They really are. Um, I don't really know either one of them. Like they would be like, "Oh, Matt Mikelski." I'm peripherally acquainted with that dude, right? Uh, you know, Ricky never got to cut my hair. You know, so <laughs> so and I think that's what he does for a day job. Anyway, um, anyway, so I mentioned okay, and and then also third thing, okay. This was also a huge impression on me as a as a, as a just a, as a person and as an artist. Um, in 1989, I got hired by Kappa downtown, and I worked in their box office. And this is '89. This is you know pre-internet era, and I was fortunate enough to see you know the symphony and all the ballet met performances and most of the Broadway performances and the opera. And then of course, all the curated artistic stuff that Kappa was bringing into town. Um, you know, and then there was also, pro, you know, it was pre promo West. There was a promoter out of Cleveland or Pittsburgh that would bring in country and rock acts and stuff. Uh, Kate, I saw Katie Lang, um, you know, like, ingenue era i saw her sound check I, i'm getting goosebumps thinking about the sound check she sound checked save me do you know the song save me oh uh, her material is uh, just off the top it well it well it's it's what again i'm i know i am all over the freaking place here with, right. with with the genres yeah. and whatnot but her the, the clarity of her voice yeah. it's 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 like she's like Joni mitchell with country music right i mean i there's emmy lou you know, 
Emmy Lou Harris. Oh God, oh, Emmy Lou Harris. <laughs> Emmy Lou Harris. <laughs> Don't get me started on Emmy Lou Harris. Anyway, Emmy Lou Harris. Um, Roseanne Cash's last three or four records are so good. The list, um, Black Cadillac, her husband John Leventhal, you know, Grammy award-winning producer and guitar player. He just released a solo record, which is great. Um, I just saw an interview with him. Um, again, I know I'm all over the place here, but I love that stuff. I love it, love it, love it. But I got to see so much great stuff by Cap. Koto Drummers of Japan. I mean, you know, stuff like this. Like mm -hmm. stuff that you'd be like, yeah, how would you know about that unless you knew about it, right? I just was there. I just got to be present, a fly on the wall. You know, I'm sitting Ex there. Exposed to exactly. the world. Right, exactly. Music. All this lovely, <clears throat> and, and you know, it, it, dance and culture. And like I said, I married a dancer. I'm the luckiest boy in the world. But I, I, I got exposed to that kind of stuff. And it really, really, really made a huge impression on me. It's like this world is, it's a big place. And we need lots and lots of lots of voices. We, we, the, you know, in the West, America, North America, we get so bogged down with like, you know, left and right and all these types of things. It is so much bigger and everything is gray. You know, it really oh, is. Oh my God, yes. It's so gray and it just drives me bonkers, you know, in 2024, the polarity and all of the infighting and all the bullshit, man. It just, it just, I am so sick of it. I've played You're in bands. Alone. Well, I know, I You're know. Not alone. Hopefully, reasonable folks, right? Reasonable yeah, folks yeah. will. And I mean, I I played. I uh, I don't know if I told you. I was I I was in Whiskey Wood for about three years. I didn't know that. Yeah, I was in kind of the original incarnation. Actually, Sean just passed away. The 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 original lead singer, Sean, he died last week. I know, oh, right? Man. God bless him. He had a beautiful voice. But Tom, um, Tom, you know, is you know a staunch you know kind of right winger and. I love him so dearly, and he, he's, he's a, a sweet. He's guy. one of the best people in Columbus. Like I, I have, he. I, I literally could call Tom tomorrow and say, Tom, I got a problem. I really need your help. He would be there in like fifteen minutes. Yeah, whose car are we gonna take? Exactly. He's a ride or die dude. Like he's <laughs> just know, one man. of those guys, man. He every Thanksgiving and holidays, he always texts me. He's like, Matt, happy Thanksgiving, and I'm just like. I saw Tom at yeah. um, Turtle Creek this past weekend. Nice. And nice. he pins me down. <laughs> He's like, Lynn, yeah. we haven't seen each other in too long a period of time. <laughs> in his got, Missouri accent. And we got to change that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I got a basement full of bourbon. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I said, hey, man, I, I'm, I'm down. And he does. Trust me. I've <laughs> been in that basement. Does. I've been in that basement many times. Yeah. Uh, it's probably... So whiskey, yeah. Yeah, Whiskey Wood. I was the one, he wanted to name it Whiskey Wood, W-O-O-D. And I'm the one that suggested W-O-U-L-D. So I said, and then he started doing the play on words. And I was like, yeah, dude, now you got it. It's more fun. You can have fun with it. Because people hear it and go, Whiskey Wood. Okay, yeah, we're cooking up some whiskey in our still. And, you know, you can do the whole hillbilly redneck thing if you want to. And, you know, he's, he's every bit of that. But he's a, he's a thinking man. Like, I... I he is. He's a he's, smart dude. He's a smart dude. And his, his wife... And his... His, um, his wife's a smart lady. Oh, yes, yeah. yes, she is. Yes, yeah. Um, but he's a killer guitar player. He's man. a killer guitar player. And, very and, versatile. And very, very passionate and very, very interested in a lot of different things. Um, you know, he is, he is again, again, he's another one of those guys. And, and he's an example of, you know, a lot of my friends or a lot of people that I know wouldn't play with him. You know, they just wouldn't do it, you know, because he, he's outspoken about certain things. And you're just like, yeah, you're missing out. You're missing out. <sighs> 
you're missing out. This is a, we're only on this planet for a short period of time. And if you want to stay in your bubble, you stay in your bubble. And I'm not saying, I'm not saying some people need safety. Some people need safety. They're marginalized. I support that. But man, whenever possible, get out in the world, man. Experience humanity. Experience the world. Go to the mountains. Go to the sea. Go to the Great Wall of China, man. Go to Europe. Go to Australia. You know, go to Africa. Check it out, man. Like, I don't know. I mean, I, 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 I'm preaching to the choir to a certain extent, but at the same time, I, I, I get, I, I don't know, the central Ohio-ness of it, right? I mean, yeah, I grew up listening to QFM and having, you know, kind of a, a small town mentality. I mean, really, Columbus was really a cow town until uh, about the last 20 years. Let's just be honest. I mean, how long have you oh, been here, Lynn? Explosive growth. Um, yeah. I was 10 years old, 73, 74. Okay. Something okay. like that. So you experienced that too. You mm-hmm. experienced your childhood of being here when Columbus was really, it really was a cow town. It, 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 really, was, sm- it was small. Yeah, it, it, was, it was a small. And small-minded. Uh, yeah. Sure. Yeah, I mean, sure. We always had Battelle and Chem Abs and like, you know, we had big places here, the banking and all the insurance companies and the and the government and stuff like that. So there were smart people here in the state house and whatnot. But I now, mean there weren't any IT companies then, right? No. There was there was no information no. security. There was no. nothing going yeah. on from a yeah. technology perspective. Uh Right. And art and, and the art scene here, like the graphic design scene here blew yep, up in yep. the nineties and the early two thousands. Um, the production companies, I mean, you got Mills James, you got Brainstorm, you've got you've got some movers and shakers nationally here that are doing really, really good work and have been for decades, you know. Um, you know, we got Joe Veers here, man. Oh my gosh. You know, Joe Veers. I almost had him for a podcast. You'll have him. He's just too busy. He he's very busy. He's just too obviously. busy. You'll yeah. have him sometime. Would, we had a date and everything. He he just couldn't make it. I don't. Again, I've only been in a room a couple times with Joe Veers, and Joe Veers and I don't really know each other. But again, he knows who I am because of Brian. Yeah. I talked. I was talking about nude. Brian's a big A level mastering engineer now in Los Angeles. He does. He's huge. He's huge. I mean, he does. He does big stuff. He's been working on the Dolby Atmos stuff lately. Anyway, I'm God, that's oh, wow. oh I know, I know. He's been yeah. trying to try to set the standard. He's been talking to me about it and stuff, and I'm just like, dude, I, you know, I have a hard time wrapping my head around two point one, five and five point one and seven point one. It'd be one thing if I had the speaker budget, you know, just the speakers. Five one to me is good. Yeah, I know. That's right? what happened here. Yeah. That's oh, it. is it? Just oh, that's three. nice. Yeah. Honestly, that's probably all you need for most viewing and whatnot, but um, or, or listening. But yeah, start yeah. doing theater and yeah. cinematic stuff. Yeah, like it's cool, like for sound design. Yeah, sound designy yeah. type stuff where you're like really getting into. Oh yeah, I see this. I see the ceiling speakers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, your, there's, there's, your, there's your. That's there's a your... different system. There's. There, I think oh. we have five systems in here. Believe oh, it or not, dude. That's... Some of it's Sonos, but yeah, yeah. That's yeah, it. That's crazy. it. Well, I, I guess I, I think I think I've covered most of the bases of the stuff that I wanted to talk about. Um, I honestly, I don't know. I mean, do you have any questions for me? Oh uh, my gosh. Are you kidding me, man? Well, yeah, we that's, can, that's um, question, man. hang on one second. Yeah. So Matt, yeah. I mean, uh, you have a tremendous history in Columbus music and your involvement of the things you've described. Um, but what are some of the things from then when you first started punk rocking <laughs> to yeah. to to what you see today, you know you're you're still involved um, performing live, but you're doing uh, your 
voiceover business and you're recording, you're, you're, you're doing a lot in, in the area of audio engineering, yeah, yeah. but yeah. what, what are you, what are you seeing as a trend Man, to today? Great question. Um, you know, the remote, the remotification, um, you know, obviously it just since COVID, I think a lot of corporations have realized, you know, we just don't need big buildings full of people anymore. We can get it done in a home office. Um, if you've got good internet and the right gear, you are golden. And, you know, this is a testament to what you're doing here with the podcast. You know, you're in your home, but, you know, the sound quality is off the chain and, you know, clear as a bell. It sounds great. Um, it's inviting. It's captivating. But, like, I, I see a lot of change from the 80s till now in terms of the music business and, and in terms of the music scene in Columbus. Um, you know, I never, again, I, I was so all over the place with the punk rock thing and then the rock scene and the art rock scene. And then, you know, now, now kind of like whatever, like when I play a gig, it's usually like a, like I said, with the bastards, we're like a rootsy rock band slash rockabilly, surf punkabilly, whatever, you know, a little bit of country, a little bit of, a little bit of, a little bit of swing, <clears throat> excuse yeah, me, all that wrapped in. Yeah. And, and like I said, I'm really fortunate to have interfaced. Like when I was where I, I taught at music Royale for a number of years over at Jesse McNamara's store in Powell. And I was really fortunate to be around players like Josh Hill. And, you know, he's such a monster. And I mean, he, you know, just, just being around him, being in a room with him and a guitar, he's he, like, you know, I was like, he, he, he knows, you know, exactly who Bill Frizzell is and has studied him and is like a big fan of his stuff. And I said, oh yeah, I'm a big Bill Frizzell fan big Bill Frizzell fan and Josh immediately started playing one of his songs. Oh my gosh. You know, he just immediately just said, okay, yeah, you know this one? And I'm like, yeah, that's one of my favorite Bill Frizzell songs. And he goes, well, I'll just chart it out for you. And he just sat there and wrote it out. And I'm like, Josh Hill, you're, you're a king among men, you know, God bless you. And, you know, it was something I could have sat and done myself, but he did it. And, you know, it just was the immediateness of the whole thing. Like he just did it. And he just gave that to me and I'll be forever grateful. And I, I still miss, I miss him because he's so busy now with the, God, what is the name? Is it the, the Hunter Tones? Yeah, the Hunter Tones. I mean, they're all over the world. I mean, they play all over the world now, you know, those guys are badass. Um, you know, and I, you know, he, he and Tony and Jeff used to have that trio. I don't know if you ever saw those guys. God, they were good. Oh, they'd play like brunches and shit, you know? Oh, uh, Bird Shack. Yes, thank I you. I love that band. Oh, my God. I mean, I don't know that it's like active in Columbus today, right? I with don't, what you're saying. I don't but... think so. They, they, I know that they kind of had a little bit of a, like, you know, a little bit of a falling out. There was a little bit of conflict. Um, that said, but then, like, I think um, the, that real great piano player just stepped in and started playing with them. And then they started doing gigs with the both of them. Like, Josh came back and was like... <sighs> I was like, are you kidding me? Like, this is just too good. We're, we're, we are so spoiled with the world-classness of this whole thing, right? We really are. I mean, I, it, and, you know, I mean, I was a huge, like, Paul Brown Science Gravy Orchestra guy back in the day. And Paul is, you know, he's, he's out of his fucking mind. I mean, in a good way, you know, and in a bad way sometimes, too. <laughs> <laughs> he is. But at the same time, I have no I have nothing but respect for him. He's such a wonderful human. Anyway, um just the bigger picture, the thing that I see more than anything else is opportunity. Yeah. That, you know, that's an interesting observation. You know, that's yeah. keen. Well, 
And I mean, certainly could be, I certainly could be working more and making more money. And I've certainly been like, oh yeah, fuck all this stuff. I'm going to go get a job and, you know, get, get health insurance. Like my parents want me to, and all this, you know, corporate, I'm not a corporate guy. I never have been. I've worked for corporates. I've, I worked as a manufacturer's rep. I worked as a salesperson, um, both retail and wholesale. Uh, I worked for live technologies for literally five minutes. Um, like all their salespeople, um, they've gotten better actually since they sold the business to another company, but that world is wild, wild west. And oh my gosh, yeah. I mean, I mean, you know, I mean, think about putting boxes, putting speakers in places like this or restaurants or airports or, you know, or big mega churches and crap like that. I mean, talk about, talk about the wild west. And then somebody invents this code that makes it easy to take a $3 widget. And now you buy 50 of those widgets and you can, you can, you know, integrate the whole damn facility. Cost you, cost, cost you fifty thousand dollars two weeks ago, right? Yeah, I mean, it's 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 like Moore's law, right? You know Moore's law. Every eighteen months, the technology quadruples in power and halves in price. So I don't know if we're still on that trajectory that same cycle. I don't know. I'm not sure if we're on that trajectory anymore. I mean, computers just seem to be getting better and better and better and better. But are we? Are we making chips smaller? I don't think we're making them smaller. I think we're just getting smarter about how to keep them cool. And, you know, I don't know. We, now we've got this giant Intel place coming, right? Talk about opportunity, right? You know, there's no there's no big chip manufacturer in the United States. I mean, Texas Instruments used to make chips. I, I think Intel had a couple of factories. This is going to be the biggest in the world. Yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be in New huge, Albany. I mean, in, you know, Pataska, New Albany area. Again, opportunity. I see opportunity for young bands. Uh, you know, unfortunately, there's been a lot of, you know, there's been some, th some of the opportunities have gone away. I mean, obviously, you've got the whole Spotify monster. You've got the whole, you know, which is, you know, just, you know, let's just be honest. It is patently unfair. Digital copyright is absolute fucking bullshit. And people, I do it. I got five days worth of music on my fucking phone. Mm. I don't go to the music store anymore like I used to. And buy I, I used to love to do that. Me too. Love Me too. To. You know, back in the day, Kurt Schiebert had used kids records back in the day. Again, yeah. one of the guys I, I, I gave a shout out. And, you know, Singing Dogs and like all the different music stores we used to go up and down High Street on Saturdays. That's how we spent our Saturdays. I remember going to Long's Bookstore, selling my books and going right to use kids with the money. Good for you. Well, I don't know. My parents used to be really mad at me. Like, you needed that for books for next quarter. Like a quarter. Back when Ohio State was on quarters. Yeah. They haven't been on quarters for two decades. But um, I see opportunity for young bands and young musicians that have fresh perspective to be able to do things. Um, the opportunity may not be in playing live. It may not be in getting out there and, and kicking it in the clubs like it once was. But, you know, people like, do you know Lisa Cave here in town? I know the name. Do you know Rob Cave? He's the keyboard player in the Moonbats. Yes. And, and just a monster and a great friend and a, one of the best piano players I've ever. He and Lisa were at one time a, a couple. And Lisa worked for Class Acts for years as a booking agent. Um, currently I, and correct me if I'm wrong, Lisa, please tell me, uh, send me an email or a, a message. If you hear this podcast, um, I'm pretty sure she's doing like, you know, copyright for like artists and stuff now. So she's trying to get people on TV and movie placement, uh, you know, commercial, that kind of thing. And that's, that's so royalty. Yes. Exposures yes. Yes. And... Residual income with publishing companies and like, right. Getting placement. Um, and having broadcast license for the artist's music. And 
Um, I think that's, you know, a hugely untapped market for a lot of musicians. A lot of musicians go, yeah, I just want to play and be in front of people and influence. And yeah, okay, that's cool. But do you know how to make money with your music? You know, do you... Do right. You, yeah, I mean, I mean, if you're going to do this and you want to do it for a living, then you have to figure that out. I mean, you, you can be, you know, you can be the next Jeff Beck, but if nobody knows who the fuck you are, you know, you're kind of behind the eight ball. So you have to figure that out at some point. Um, I'm not sure if I've figured it out with music, but I've figured it out with other things, right? With the voiceover and, and um, you know, doing the freelance work and stuff like that. It's It's paying the bills. And I'm relatively... I'm relatively content. I'm one degree separated from the decision maker. I, I'm not any part of management. Um, you know, I'm just a, I'm a service provider. There and you I, go. And I'm okay with that. You know, at my age, um, when I was 22, I, I don't know if I would have said that. You know, I'd have probably been like, you're selling out. I'm, you I'm know? running this, I'm running this show. Yeah, yeah. Well, or just, you know, I would have had this ego in the way like this is, oh no, I want to do it this way. Gotcha. Yeah, I mean, one of one of my best friends teaches uh, HR. He has a psych, you know, he's a he's a PhD in psychology, right? And mm-hmm. he teaches HR at Washington and Jefferson University. His name's Rob Brum, Rob Rob Brumfield. No, no, Rob Litchfield. Wow, that's a that's a name on here that I wanted to say that I didn't say. Rob Brumfield recorded our first two nude records. God rest his soul. He is he's not with us anymore. He was in a great band called The Dogs. And it's interesting that I said that. That's very interesting because I, 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 wow. Anyway, Rob Litchfield, who is a, another one of my good college buddies. And like I said, he has an MBA, he has a PhD in psychology. He's a, he's a super, super smart cat. He's like, I am training these HR personnels, you know, that are, they're coming through our college and they're going to be HR professionals and they're going to be putting people in the correct job in corporations. And he's like, look for the opportunity in the non-sexy fields, right? And that's what he teaches. He's always, yeah, I mean, where's the opportunity? Where is it? Be that guy or gal that's, or whatever your pronoun is, and go and find that opportunity because... And pinch it. Yeah, and do it, right? Do that, you know, at least for a period of time so you can see if it's something you can stand or not, and then go do that, and then maybe it'll morph into something different, and you'll be, or or maybe you can take it outside of that corporation and become an entrepreneur and then market it yourself and then make a ton of money and then sell it and lay on the beach for the rest of your life if you want to, or just do that again, right, with other companies or help other companies expand. I mean, you have to work... as much as I hate to say this, because I, I rage against the machine all the time, I really do in my mind. But, you know, it's 2024. You know, you got to work with it. You, you do. And you touched on a theme, I think, yeah. along those lines of coexisting. Yes. Yes. The key is to coexist, right? There's going to be some really talented people that do something similar. Yeah. That you're going to miss out on if you have a disagreement in their ideology or, you know, maybe some remarks toward a certain topic. I mean, it's okay to be different. Oh yeah. Oh it's yeah. It's way okay to be different. As a matter of fact, it's, it's preferred in my book. Yeah. I want you to, I want you to come but when correct. Those, when those two forces yeah. come together, yeah. it makes something that you may not have ever thought of or heard of truly, that's that much more beautiful. It's truly original. 
it's truly original. Yeah, it's truly original. It's yes. not. It's not. It's not a copy or a fake. I, I see a lot of younger artists, not just musicians, but they're always they're copying. And you go through your phases, right? You have to copy. You have to be the best version of your favorite artist or influencer or you know entrepreneur. You have to be that best version of that. But then you have to eventually step out on your own, and you have to do it yourself, and you have to do it your way. Um, you know, there's an old term: kill your idols, right? Yeah. Kill your idols. That's eh, a little extreme, <laughs> you know, but at the same time, it, it's a metaphorical. You don't have to do it, obviously. You, you, it, metaphorically, we kill our idols. We, we step outside of their circle of influence. Wow, a little Covey uh, reference. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> oh, my God. Too much sales training over here. Um, we step out of our circle of influence, and then, then you develop your own circle of influence. Yeah. That's where it's at, man. Amen. And, and that's it. That's it. That's all of it. That's anybody that's doing something that's truly original and something that's groundbreaking, that's what they're doing. They're going with their gut. They're failing. They're falling on their face. They're picking themselves up, and they're doing it again, and they're trying to do it better this time. They may fall on their face a hundred times, a thousand times, but it's all about getting back up and building that thick skin and doing it again. That's what it's about, man. Yeah, that, that's that's well stated. Yeah. I love that. I I can't. And speaking of which, yeah. um, the originality. I don't want to let go of that, right? So yeah. so what are you doing, Matt hmm. Mikowski? Oh wow! To to develop your originality. Well, that's a great question. In my studio, I've I've developed, and I've, I've borrowed this idea from a German composer. His name's Heinbach, and he's got a wonderful YouTube channel. Um, he's a TV and film composer, and he also did composing for, um, like, theater troupes and stuff like that. He, that's how he started. And he, he started as just a musician, like, playing in clubs, right? He's a synthesizer guy, right? Piano player. But he's got these things called islands in his studio, and he basically has these little areas in his studio that are kind of cordoned off. And he limits himself to like five or six elements. And then he just makes music, or I, I wouldn't even say it's music sometimes. Rhythms? Yeah, like elements. Okay. You know? Almost like he's a chemist or an alchemist, right? <laughs> Richard Lloyd, uh, the guitar player from television, had a, he, he was, he's a big... Do you, are you a television guy? I'm a fan. Yeah, it's one I have of, a vinyl album. Yeah, we'll play later. He and Tom, he and Tom Verlaine are my other two, like oh, four or five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. If you don't know who Television is, immediately go and buy, or buy just go vinyl. to Spotify, Marky Moon, and then yep. the 1992 Television record is, I think, their masterpiece. I think that's a better record than Marky Moon. I'm going to get some flack for that. I don't give a shit. <laughs> Passifume, if you're listening, you better agree with me, buddy. Anyway, uh, you don't have to agree with me. Passifume doesn't have to agree with anybody. No. I love that guy. Anyway, um, but no, like that whole, I have islands. And I, dude, I recently bought a four track Good. cassette. Good. And two cheap cassette players that pitch down. And I bought a, two synthesizers and I just interface my pedals with all that shit. And I make weird rhythms and then I'll loop my guitar or my voice with, I bought these cassettes that do 10 cent 10 second loops and it's very, I have loopers, right? I have pedal mm. loopers, but it's so different in the quality of the sound. Cause I can slow it down. It's like creeping and Heinbach does this. And it's just, it's like emotionally you're like, Oh, that's 
oh, right, yes. And you take that element and you add it to something else. It could be the most one, four, five, you know, completely Tempo. pop. Well, that's more, it's more of like a chord progression, okay. like the first, the oh, fourth, one, and four, fifth. Five, gotcha. Yeah, one, four, five progression, like a blues progression. Yeah, yeah. But like, you know, most pop songs, 90% pop songs are like one, four, five progressions. Hell, anymore, they're just doing like one, five. But, um, you know, you just take a simple progression, but you put this weird element to it. Immediately, it changes the way it is, right? Anytime you manipulate your audio, anytime you make a different choice, um, the Brian Eno cards, the chance occurrences, I think they're called, there's a deck of cards, and it's like, that's what they use in the studio when they're stuck. Oh, also, I got I to gotta do a shout out to Daniel Lenoir. Okay, Daniel Lenoir, to me, is the, he's the greatest producer mind right now. And again, there's guys that are probably eclipsing him. Um, you know, there's a couple guys that are mixing guys, Michael Brower guy did the first Coldplay record. Don't, don't, don't kill me, but it's a great sounding record. Even if you don't like Coldplay, um, he's a compressor genius. Brian hit me to him back in the day, Brian Lucy, but, uh, Daniel Lenoir, my, uh, production, uh, God, I, I worship at the altar of Daniel Lenoir, Canadian producer. Um, he did the Sling Blade soundtrack. Do you remember that? He actually played guitar. It's wow. all loops, heavily treated loops. He's yes, the, yes, yes, okay, yes. He did yes, the, yes. He and Eno did the Unforgettable <laughs> Fire U2 record. Yeah. He did So and Us by Peter Gabriel. Oh, man. Yeah. So that sound. He's that guy. He did Wrecking Ball by Emmylou Harris. Yeah. He's that guy. Yeah. He's that guy. So it's like, and again, he isn't, you know, Bob Dylan, Time Out of Mind, uh, Willie Nelson, THO. Um, again, huge, huge, huge. I, I can't crow enough about him, but you know, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about opportunity. We're talking about, but again, he's, there's a perfect example of a cat who basically had a vision. He was a, you know, self-trained engineer and he just kind of kept going with his aesthetic and just said, okay, this is what I do. I use old gear. I make these things. And I do that too. I have tube amps. I still have tube amps. I have some modeling stuff. Like I said, I pretty much only use it when I can't use an amp. If sometimes clubs are like, you can't use an amp or, you know, you can't use an amp at the casino. And I've never played there. Um, I don't play those kinds of gigs very much. But when I have to and keep the volume down, I've got like a really nice Walrus audio pedal that is really good. And I've got a Helix on the computer and Pro Tools. And it sounds really good. It sounds passable, right? But tube amps mic'd up. If you know how, what you're doing and you can get a sweet spot, they're, they're alive. Oh, they're, oh my God. Yeah. They're, they're alive. I mean, there's the, you know, the electrons firing through the tubes and, and transformers uh, make a huge difference, right? I always say microphones and speakers and tubes and transformers, those are the important aspects, right? Anyway, so that's, that's what I do to try to stay inspired. Have you, have you heard of teenage engineering? Oh yeah. Are you Love into that stuff? stuff? Well, my son, my son has yeah. this array of devices. Yeah. They make those things. They, they basically kind of circuit bend like little, little like calculators and crap like that. Right. Yeah, he's a wizard with that stuff. Yeah. That's stuff... all kind of synthesizer type. So you know, cool. So units cool. that he's yeah and, procuring over the years. Right. And even if you're not a even if you're just a guitar player or a bass player or a drummer or somebody who just, you know, plays saxophone or something like that, having and incorporating devices like that into your creative process, even if they never make it to the recording, maybe they're just an idea, 
right? right? It's just an idea, a rhythmic idea or like a sonic idea or some sort of weird pad that's influencing you. It's going to get in your DNA, man. Yeah, there's a, a composer who passed away maybe three or four years ago, maybe longer, John Hassel, trumpet player, ECM guy, like, you know, European. His last few records were so, like, incredible sonically. They were incredible. Um, they, they were so rich in ambience. It's the best, his record, his one, was it, when the moon came slowly dropping their clothes. Oh, my God, I... It's the weirdest fucking title ever. No, it's insane. But like, it's the best fly music ever. Like you're, especially a flight at dusk, you're looking out the windows and you're looking in the clouds and it's almost like you're experiencing like you're on Neptune or something. <laughs> this is all without drugs too, people. Um, add some, add some sort of psychedelic and you could even go farther. But um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, right? Anyway. That's good stuff. Well, that's great insight, man. I mean, you have all this experience. You have all this rich <laughs> exposure. You've allowed yourself to 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 insert yourself where you haven't been before, and yeah. I think that that's only benefiting your creativity. I hope so. That's probably a key to that. You know, honing in on your originality. Are you recording your original music? Yes, I am recording it slowly. Um, I'm being very, very, very like selective. Yeah, probably too selective. Yeah, I mean, you know, ninety-four percent. I think that's what Brian um, Fab. There's a there's a this producer that did the Billie Eilish blow up record. He was the producer, and as a French guy, Brian brought him to town for one of those Columbus music things, and they spoke. And they kept hammer on this thing. 94% is good enough. 94%. So when you of think how it's... how you feel about something? When you're or? doing a mix or you're doing an arrangement of a song, you, if you do it and it's 94% good enough, stop, for God's Don't sakes. Overwork it. Because the rest of humanity has no idea how much you worked on that, right? And you could polish that until it's 97%. But, you know, don't be all steely Dan Eric Johnson about it, right? Yeah. You know, you don't need to get the white lab coat on and mic up the snare drum 50 ways to sunshine. And, you know, you just don't need to do that. It's people... A good song recorded badly is still a good song. A shitty song recorded really well is still a shitty song. True that. Yeah. True that. Yeah. Well, I, you know, and I think that's a great remark. And I think um, we're going to leave our audience with that remark. You know, um, Matt Mikowski, really been a pleasure, man. I really appreciate you being here. I've been, I've been inspired by you since the oh. inception of our friendship, you know, well, and I, thank you. And I love going to your shows. Um, I've, it's been a while since I've seen you playing live, but uh, I'm going to keep my eyes peeled. And I want to keep my eyes peeled on where, where you're going to be recording, uh, where your recordings will will end up out there um, because uh, you truly are inspirational and you have a lot of wisdom that you've shared on this this episode, episode number 53. Well, thank you, Len. It's been great. Uh, it's been great to talk to you. And I, I too, have really enjoyed coming and speaking with you. I, I, my, that's my stomach rumbling. Anyway. <laughs> It's all good, man. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, the microphone picks up everything. Um, it does. Yeah, it really does. Yeah, thank you for the kind words, and um, it's been really fun. I want to share. I don't want to hold back. I This is not something that's precious. 
you know, I'm, I'm not making millions of dollars. I'm, you know, I'm just a guy and who's trying to find inspiration and, and express myself in a way that, that works with my, um, my, both my personality and my, my constitution, you know, and that's important to me. Uh, you know, I don't, I, I, I kind of don't know what else to do at this point in my life. You know, I've, I've, I've kind of exhausted a lot of things and I'm like, I, I feel really good about what's going on. Like I said, I can always, you can always make more money. You can always do more things in the world, but like, you know, leave a mark and, and just, you know, feel good about it. And like, just try to, you know, try to, try to like push humanity up, you know, don't, don't bring us down, man. There's so much that we're already, it, it's, it's a shame. We're not nicer to one another. We're only here for a short period of time, you know, be nice, be nice and love, love your fellow man. We we all have that common experience. So, you know, hopefully I can hope, I don't know, maybe paint a little bit about that with via music and maybe make, make life like more inspirational and more interesting. Right. Absolutely. That's it, man. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. And thank you. Thank you for those thoughts and sharing and um, episode number 53 on Columbus Local Podcast. Matt Mikowski, thank you again. You're most welcome. Thank you, Len. And thank you all for listening. Bye-bye.